Peace be with you. And also with you. Uh, we're on a two Sundays, a, kind of a little mini-series called The Most Famous Proverbs. And uh, we just had part one uh, last week, and uh, part two is today. And I introduced a phrase to us called, memorable is portable. Memorable is portable. And that was a, a term by um, someone who teaches communication theory, Andy Stanley. And the idea with that is, if something is memorable, if you can remember it, you can carry it around with you. Right? And so you can have it when you need it most. So something that's memorable, you can carry around with you. In some moment, you'll need some help or hope or whatever, and all of a sudden, God will just pop that into your mind at the moment when you need it most. And so the Proverbs are like that. They are memorable and portable. They're short statements of faith to help you live wisely daily. And so we're having two Sundays looking at those. There was a, a young woman, and she had gone away to university for the first time, and she was kind of overwhelmed. And it was a difficult experience for her. Uh, school was hard. She didn't think she'd get homesick, but she was. She was having trouble making friends. And so she was really kind of in a dark place. And she was wandering through campus. And she went up on a little bridge and on uh, kind of a little stream beneath. And she looked down at her own reflection. And all of a sudden, something just popped into her mind. It was a phrase. Cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. Huh, where did that come from? Cast all your cares on God. But it was so prominent, it was so loud in her mind that she was like, wait a second, this, this must be from somewhere. This just isn't my own mind. Um, and that was a kind of a key turning moment for her. And so she realized, wait a second, there's someone higher than me who um, cares about me. I need to do something to get in a better place. And so it kind of kickstart, you know, a time where she was, okay, I'm going to be I need to reach out for some help. And so she did that. She also looked up where that came from. Well, lo and behold, it came from the Bible. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. And although it's not a proverb, it's proverbial. A short statement meant to help you live wisely daily. But where did that come from? How did that get into her mind? Well, pause. We're going to come back to that. Okay, so last week we looked at 12 uh, Proverbs. Today we're going to look at 16. We're going to go through them a, a bit quicker uh, this um, Sunday. But what I will notice, uh, sort of draw your attention to, is the insert. So just like last week, there's an insert. Uh, this is the same as the PDF on the website. It's the same as the sermon notes in the uh, Westminster Church app, if you have that. And basically, it lists the Proverbs we're going to briefly touch on. It also asks about the principle. And, okay, what principle is being taught here? And then also, how can God use this for good? Right? And this is helpful for us because sometimes we go through these teachings and we think, oh, um, this is just something else I need to keep in mind or something else I need to do. These exist because uh, God wants the best for us. Because when we live these principles, not only for ourselves, but even uh, sometimes encourage them in others, it's actually to bless them. It's actually for their benefit. It's because God is a loving Father who cares for us. And so, Sometimes you just want to listen. Sometimes people learn by filling it in. Some people will do it later in the week. Whatever uh, is best for you, I just um, leave that uh, with you. Uh, the second thing is not in your bulletin, but it's actually in the fellowship hall. It says, Helpful Study Bibles, and this accompanies the blog and the podcast that I put out this week. So last week I said that when you're going through the Proverbs or any passage in the Bible, sometimes it's confusing. Okay, what does a passage mean? Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. And so if possible, from a financial perspective, 
I think it's great if every, every household has one study Bible. And it's different from a normal Bible because it has footnotes, it has cross-references, introductions to the book, historical context, and it really can provide some helpful clarity if there's sections which you're really uncertain about. And so uh, there's the podcast, there's the text version on the blog, but also in the fellowship hall I've brought in the top seven, um, not the top, but ones that I consider very, very solid. And I put them out there with little descriptions. Uh, this is also in there. It accompanies that. And maybe if you look through and you want to, you know, your interest is piqued in one of those, you can you look, look it up, and that would be a good resource for you. Other to watch, not to, to look at, not to take. Okay, those are mine. So you... <laughs> Just look at them, but you can't take them, okay? All right, so we're going to go through some of these proverbs, these short statements uh, meant to live, help us live wisely daily that the Lord uses and pops into our minds sometimes for help and hope when we need it. So, all right, so here's the first one, Proverbs 14, verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Now, this is a very, uh, very practical one, a very good one. Um, because I think sometimes, if we're being honest, there are times when we think, oh, if someone is poor or if someone is struggling, uh, well, maybe, maybe you know, it doesn't matter as much how I treat them. And we need to caution against that. Uh, the person at, who is on the street corner uh, is made in the image of God just as someone who sleeps in a royal bed or in a palace. So this is just one of those proverbs that reminds us uh, of that. And so the principle is that you honor God when you are generous to the needy. Right? So that's just a very basic one, but it comes up so many different times in Scripture in different ways. So how can God use this for good? Well, it helps the needy, and there's a lot of needy people out there, and so it helps them. But also it reminds you and me that everyone is made in His image. And so to me, this is a wonderful proverb that actually brings together several of the teachings that we find in the gospel as well. Next, Proverbs 15, verse 1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever got a call or had a conversation with someone and the person is angry or maybe it's a text or an email and you want to reply right away? Don't. <laughs> Sometimes people are wrathful or they're angry or something comes up and we want to react nine times out of ten. When you react in that moment, you are not going to say something that you feel good about in a week from now. Right? And so I like to observe the 24-hour rule, uh, whether it's in person or even a text or something like that or an, or an email that, that's harsh or cutting or you're tempted to say something that your better self wouldn't say. Just wait 24 hours. Just wait. Because how you respond thoughtfully in 24 hours is going to be different than how you react angrily in the moment. And so to me, this proverb is just a gentle reminder of that. Right? So, you know, deliberate words advance peace. Our words that we use. Uh, can advance peace. And I think this proverb reminds us of that. How can God use it for good? Your choice of words can improve a bad situation. All right, so that's, that's a helpful, practical, down to earth. Next, Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Now, this is about better a little meaning a little money. Uh, better to have not very much in terms of money, better to have, you know, kind of a simple lifestyle and to be faithful than to not have faith and to have great treasure and wealth. There was a, a Bible study group of couples in Georgia, and they were asking each other, you know, when was the happiest time in your life? And, you know, people said different answers, but uh, there was kind of a, a consensus, kind of the majority opinion in this particular group was, uh, when the kids were small and we didn't have any money. 
And that will be different for different people, but uh, there's something that's beautiful about living simply and having faith. And so this proverb teaches us that it's better to live simply with faith than richly with trouble. Now, as I was thinking about this, how can God use this uh, for good? When you see the theme of simplicity come up, uh, simplicity, modesty in the Bible, so often one of the benefits is that it helps you keep in the center of your life what matters most. So if all of a sudden, if you're, if you're caught into the world of accumulation and, and wealth and just accumulating more, 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 bigger, better, more, all of a sudden, so much of your time, attention, and energy is focused on those things. But if you make a habit of living simply, faithfully, it's so easier to keep the most important things at the center of your life. Next proverb, 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So this is one of the most famous Proverbs, mostly around decision-making. And I think part of the reason is because many of us suffer from the illusion that we always know best more than the rest. We always think that by ourselves some issue or some question comes up or some decision before us, and our default assumption are like, you know, factory settings are, I know what's best more than other people. And so this proper pushes against that a little bit. And so the idea is that other people actually have significant and helpful things to say to us. And so in the process of discernment, why do we always think that we know the best? There are other faithful people. There are other godly people. There are other people who love and care about us. Other people who have experience with stuff that we don't have experience with who may be able to shed some light on what we're dealing with before us. So the principle is seek good advice if you want to be successful. And how can God use this for good? You make better decisions. You make better decisions. Next, Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Now, I like this one. And this is really, I think the power in this one is just, this is really for, for whatever you do. Whatever your work happens to be. So it doesn't need to be something you're paid for. But it could be your work as a student. It could be your work as an athlete. It could be your work in the, in the job force. It could be you, what you're, you're retired and you're volunteering at something, whatever it happens to be. Commit your work, how you spend your time and energy to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Uh, one translation says your plans will be successful. I've told you before, before and this is a famous example of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, the great composer. And so to remind himself of this principle, what he would do is at the bottom of his musical scores, he would write SDG. Solide de o gloria. To the glory of God alone. I love that. So no matter what the musical score was, he was committing this to the Lord. Lord, use this for your good and your glory in the world. There was another man I heard about, Mark Batterson, um, uh, told me about this, but he wrote SDG on the end of his mop handle in his work. Salid de o gloria, to the glory of God alone. May I work with integrity. May the, may the work that I do, the words that I share with other people be a blessing into God. So this is just encouragement for us, whatever we happen to do. Give it to God. And of course, how can God use this for good? Well, he will use your work for good things. And I just love this because sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we're like, okay, what difference is this making or what is this doing? Commit it to the Lord. Give it to him and he will take it from there. Proverbs 16, 18, next. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall or an arrogant spirit before a fall. So last week I said that uh, there were uh, some really famous verses in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. That's probably the most famous of the most famous Proverbs. This is certainly in the top five. Pride goes before 
destruction. And we know this, right? How many times have we been talking to someone or seen someone on TV? Someone's just boasting about themselves. They're so great. Oh, look, you're not as good as I am. And the next thing, they fall on their face, right? Uh, it often happens. And I was thinking about biblical examples for this. And one of the first that came to mind was David and Goliath. So there's Goliath. He's out there. He's, he, he's, he's boasting in front of the, you know, the armies of Israel. You know, come on. And then all, David comes out. Uh, with his sling, and and he hits him, and uh, Goliath goes down, and David goes over and slices his head off with the sword. Pride goes before destruction. When they tell that story in Sunday school, they usually leave the part off about the decapitation, but it's in there, and go look it up. Um, A powerful story, but I think even even, uh, more foundationally than that, uh, I go back to the Garden of Eden, and I go back to Adam and Eve, and I go back to God's instructions for what they should and should not do God who is almighty, loving, wise, good, don't eat the fruit, and they do. They both do, by the way. They eat the fruit, and in so doing, they say, I know what's better than God. And their fall was so disastrous, it was actually the fall of humankind. Pride goes before destruction. And so what is the principle here? Be humble if you want to avoid destruction. Sounds good. Would you rather be on the pride side of the equation or the humble side of the equation? Now, how can God use this for good? With humility, God can use you as a conduit for his will. So humility is often called the cardinal virtue, and humility comes up on different virtue and character lists, especially in the New Testament, time and time again. And so why is that? If you are humble, you are able to yield. The idea of being uh, yielding is closely related to humility. God... I trust you more than me. I trust your way more than what I want to do in a selfish capacity. And so those people who are humble are more likely able to step aside and let the Lord work through them. Next, Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. I heard some cheers. Uh, now, this is actually one of those Proverbs. It's on this for the most famous Proverbs, but I don't think it's one of the most famous ones, but it sure becomes one soon as people find out about it. <laughs> Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Now, this is one of those cases where I said last week that Proverbs are um, uh, principles that are generally true, not specific promises that are always true. And the reason I focus that on here is because there are some wicked people who have gray hair, right? So it's not like it's, oh, they got gray hair, they're righteous, you know. Uh, it doesn't really work like that. This is a principle. But also it's in the context of faith. So, so the reason I think this is particularly poignant now is because we live in a culture that venerates and I would say idolizes youth, youth culture. And young people are important and we should listen to them. They have great things to say. But we have, we have done, we have, We've venerated youth to such an unhealthy degree that we have downgraded the wisdom and experience of people who have lived a hard-fought life, and I think it's a shameful thing. So I think when we come across Proverbs like this, uh, to me, this is, this is just one of those ones that says that in God's eyes, aging faithfully is glorious. It is glorious. You know, and we, we look at ourselves, and sometimes, and, you know, I, I was saying to Laura, uh, recently, I'm like, I, I'm the youngest of three brothers, and I got more gray hair than them. Like, that's not fair. What's going on? And we look, we look at these things, and, and we look at our life and, and getting older and everything, and we look at the culture around us, and sometimes we can feel not good because we're told that aging is bad, even though we all do it. 
I think here's how God uses this for good. Your wisdom and experience blesses others, first of all. Your wisdom and experience blesses others, and God looks at people who are aging faithfully, and he sees their gray hair, and in God's eyes, it is a crown of glory. All right, next proverb. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Brother or sister is born for adversity. Now, I like this. This is just simply about friends. Friends help when life is hard. That's what this is about. Right, real friends are going to be there for you. They're going to stick around, not just through the good times, but also for the bad times as well. Okay? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. How can God use this for good? He uses friendship to help others. Sometimes we think about, okay, I'm praying for God for his help in a situation. God, where are you? And there's these friends that are in our lives. There are people there to help and support us. What if that was actually God sending people into our lives to help us? And there are other times when we are that person to someone else. Friend loves at all times, so the word all should be underlined. All times. Next, Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. True, true. This is the proverb which is most likely closest to laughter is the best medicine. Right? You heard that laughter is the best medicine? We know that to be true. A joyful heart is good medicine. So last week I said that some of the proverbs are didactic, meaning they're teaching us something. Uh, this could fall into that category, but uh, also they're just observational. Hey, here's how life functions, and here's an observational comment about that. I think this falls into that category as well. And it's true, we're down, we're in the dumps, something's going on, and we watch a comedy routine, or we have a laugh with some friend or some family members, and we feel better because of it. So the principle is that joy has a healing effect. You want to look up the studies about laughter or joy? Go ahead. Joy has a healing effect in our lives. And how can God use this for good? He uses this to heal and help you and others. It's a simple, beautiful thing. Next, Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Okay, so here man is used as the representative figure, so it could be male or female. Many of the plans in the mind of a person, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, I've found this personally to be comforting in my life time and time again, because you've got this plan, hey, here's something that's going to go on, or oh, this should happen this way, and then it doesn't happen that way, and you think everything's falling apart. It's not falling apart for God, and I get encouraged by that. God never answers, I don't know, to a question about your purpose or life. You might not know, but God knows. So the principle is that God's plans are always accomplished. He's not surprised by things that go on. He's not thwarted when something doesn't turn out like we want it to turn out. And so how can God use this for good? Well, he can encourage you when your plans fall through because his don't. When your plans fall through, it's okay. God's plans are not falling through. And so this is one of those proverbs that that we can just, you know, when we feel disappointed, we can just know that we are resting in his everlasting arms. Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And this is the one that I shared with our young people earlier. Now, this is fundamentally about reputation, of course, not what your actual uh, name is. And when it comes to reputation, we can kind of get mixed up a little bit because we think of reputation or having a good name with people in a worldly sense or in a godly, pleasing God sense. Uh, William Gurnall, who is one of the great uh, Puritan writers, he says this, Too many are more concerned with their reputation than their salvation. 
Now, when he says that, the people are more concerned sometimes with their reputation than their salvation. He's talking about people from a worldly perspective. Okay, what is popular in the world? What is just every, what's the, what's the kind of the, the thing to do these days? And if so, people are so occupied with fitting into that scheme, then they're going to neglect the greater things of God. But here in Proverbs 22, the idea is we want to be living in a way that is godly and that is pleasing to him and therefore is consistent with how his people should live. And so the principle here is quite simply that we should seek a good reputation, right, more than wealth. Of course, in a godly sense. Seek a good reputation more than wealth. How can God use this for good? Personal integrity is currency when it comes to faithfulness. Personal integrity is currency. And so God will use you. If you are known to be a consistent person who is honest, who does loving things, who follows Christ and shows up when they say they're going to show up, God will put you in opportunities where you will be a blessing to other people. They will seek you out and you will bless and do kingdom work. Next Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, as I mentioned last week, this is a proverb that should inspire us to do, to, to parent as a verb, um, but also it can be a source of, you know, consternation to some people. Maybe they felt like they've, they've really kind of done their best with their kids growing up, but, you know, something has happened. They've moved out of the house and other influences has, have come into their life and things have gone off the rails and then they, they feel bad. And so we need to remember that this is a general principle, not a specific uh, promise But it should motivate us to be proactive about training. Look at the word train. It's proactive. Douglas Wilson says, Children learn by the example set by their parents. We may provide them with a good example or a bad example, but we never have the option of providing no example. We're always giving an example. And so the idea here is train children well. It's proactive. Train children well. It's proactive. If you don't do it, the culture will. Movies will, YouTube will. How can God use this for good? God can do kingdom work through your children. And so we are motivated to bring them up in the Lord. Next, Proverbs 26, verse 11. Like a dog returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I told you there's some good juicy stuff in here. (laughs) I was choosing the picture to put in this slide and the cockapoo, like our buddy, came up there and like, I can't put Buddy's picture in there. It's got to be some other dog. If your dog looks like this, I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a really smart dog. Um, I have actually seen a dog eat worse than its vomit. Not my dog. Other dogs. Um, but I think the principle here is that learn from your mistakes, right? Don't foolishly repeat them. And so uh, I just think this is one of those down-to-earth proverbs. I love it. And, and, and sometimes people will make consistent mistakes. They're simply just not paying attention to decisions that they've made in the past, which might happen to be foolish. And so I think this warns us against this. So God can do kingdom work and improve your life if we're paying attention. Pay attention. What are we doing? What are we learning? What are the mistakes are we making? Let's try not to repeat them. We do sometimes, myself included, but we want to be moving forward on the path of wisdom. Next, Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Isn't that interesting? Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Someone who might give you all sorts of compliments, but they're not really on your side. Is that better? Or are the wounds of a friend better? A friend who is faithful and true, someone who really wants the best for you, but sometimes may actually say or do things which hurt. There's a modern expression that I just... I can't stand it. Um, 
only surround yourself with people who make you happy. And I think this is a function of our modern individualism. Every time I hear that, I just want to poke my eye out with a spoon. Like, <laughs> only, I get it. Maybe you've been through a negative time and you need some positivity around you. I get, I get that. But, but to only surround yourself with people who make you happy, who are never going to say something that you might disagree with, that is such an immature way to approach life. We would never hear words that are honest or serious or, or, or have more wisdom and experience than us because we just closed ourselves off. Unless I already agree with that, it makes me happy. I don't want to hear it. What is that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A surgeon cuts you in order to heal. A mechanic takes an engine apart to fix it. And there are times when our friends, and these are our real friends. These aren't the acquaintances who could care less about us. Real, true, honest, faithful friends People who sometimes say things because they love us, because they care for us, they need to share an honest word because they don't want us to see go down a certain path. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How can God use this for good? We can gain knowledge about ourselves. We can grow through the input of faithful friends. All right, next, Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man or woman sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. You think that that would not happen, sharpening. You think that everything gets messed up and tangled, but no. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, I share something with my kids sometimes. Good friends make good friends gooder. Right? Bad grammar, but it sticks. Good friends make good friends gooder. And so I love that because this is one of those practical proverbs that when we were having these friendships and relationships with people inside our family, outside, maybe at work sometimes, uh, your wisdom will actually help them to be wise. Your strength will help them to be strong. The encouragement that you give them will build them up and vice versa. So the principle is that God leverages our strength for holiness and service. And so when we are built up, when we are strengthened or given knowledge or wisdom or given encouragement in some way, it's not just so that we feel nice, although that is a nice side benefit and it helps us. It's to build us up for holiness and service. And the same thing is true when we give that to someone else. As iron sharpens iron. All right, finally, Proverbs 31, verse 30. Now, this is actually from the pen uh, of King Lemuel. We don't really know much about King Lemuel, uh, but this is actually something his mother taught him. And he repeats it in Proverbs 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, I kind of use this as a representative verse of the entire of Proverbs 31. And it kind of deserves its, its whole, uh, whole sermon on its, on its own. There's several nuances going there. But I think the thrust of this verse is because in our modern times, other virtues are elevated and women are so often reduced to um, things beneath them. And I think this speaks of a certain um, dignity to women, an ultimate virtue, which is faith or fearing the Lord. And so the best attribute of a woman is faith. How can God use this for good? Godly women can make a great and godly impact. And I think we need the reminder, because again, so much stuff in our culture tells us that it's all about how you look or how you do this, that, or the other thing. In the Lord's eyes, the most important thing is faith. So uh, that's a look at 16 more of the Proverbs. And uh, I just encourage you uh, to think through these Proverbs. What are these principles teaching? How could these help me live wisely daily? And also, um, what is going to pop into my mind at a certain moment in my time 
as a source of help or hope, not only for me, but maybe for someone else. And this is part of the reason why we internalize these Proverbs and why they're so important to us. John Ortberg, who's a pastor in the States, says this. He says, the soul remembers things that I forgot. The soul remembers things that I forgot. And I think that's what happened with that young woman who was away at university that I started this with. Remember? She's homesick. She's away from home. She's uncertain. She's unstable. And, and she's really not in a great place, having trouble making friends. And she goes and she, she looks into that stream and very loudly comes into her mind, cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. That starts her life to, to turn around a little bit. She reaches out for help. And she looks, where is that from? It's from the Bible, 1 Peter 5, 7. Oh, isn't that interesting? Well, and here's where our story continues. Someone asked her where that was from. And they said, well, she said, well, it's from the Bible. I said, well, like, do you, do you go to church? And said, I haven't gone to church in a long time. But I used to go to Sunday school when I was young. So something that she had learned such a long time ago was still deeply within her. And God popped it up into her mind. And the moment she needed it most, at the time when she needed some help and hope, the soul remembers things that I forget. Thanks be to God for his loving care for us. Amen.